Good morning, as Simon said, we're beginning our new series, our Christmas series called Closer, and we're going to start with an advert, a Christmas advert, which may be familiar to many of you. So let's watch that now. I would like to leave this city, this old town don't smell too pretty and I can feel the warning signs running around my mind And when I leave this planet You know I'd stay but I just can't stand it And I can feel the warning signs running around my mind So here I go I'm still scratching around in the same old hole My body feels young but my mind is very old So what do you say? You can't give me the dreams that I'm mine anyway You have the world away You have the world away John Lewis certainly know how to cheer us up at Christmas, don't they? Thank you very much. That has got to be one of the saddest Christmas adverts ever. What's all that about? That poor old man, what was he doing on the moon? Would dial a ride, drop him off at the wrong place? I mean, what was, what was going on? And that lovely little girl, how thoughtful to send him a telescope so that he could watch everybody else on the earth enjoying themselves with all their family and their friends, so he felt even more lonely. (laughs) Isolation, loneliness, separation, they're words that create a level of sadness within us. And there are times when all of us like to be by ourselves, let's be honest. But really our default is that we really want to be in community. We want to be with other people. God has wired us. For community. I can remember being on a retreat in Norway a few years ago. I was right up in the north of Norway in a YWAM base. I stayed there. Uh, it was on this beautiful fjord and uh, I spent a few days just reading my Bible, praying, worshipping, going out for walks. And I think throughout the whole of that four-day period, I probably only saw about a dozen people. I remember going out one day and walking all day up into the mountains, and I only saw maybe two or three people. 
And by the end of that period of time, I was desperate to get back to shops and things like that. I didn't really particularly like shops, but it was just, you know, people. It was just contact with people because you felt isolated. Solitary confinement is such a terrible punishment because we're built for community. But actually, there's something worse than being separated from other human beings, and that is being separated from God. Ephesians 2.13 says, At one time you were far away from God. Now you have been brought close to him. The reality is that before we belong to Christ, we are far away from him. God has designed us to be with him, to be in community. Like the man in the moon is far away from the people he should be with, from, with family and friends. It's impossible for him to get back there. And before we know Christ, it is impossible for us to, to come to know God in that, that close way unless we put our faith in Jesus. So it was meant to be like that from the very beginning, but of course something went drastically wrong. We're very familiar with the story of Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 3, 6 to 8, we read that when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Originally, they were in uh, communion with God. They enjoyed a close relationship with him, uninterrupted relationship with him. But after eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that relationship was severed. The closeness they enjoyed was suddenly dislocated. They became ashamed and fearful. Uh, They lost their sense of security, and then nothing would be the same again for them. It was their disobedience which caused this separation to happen. And from that point onwards, every human being is infected with this disease of sin. And so the separation continues because it's the sin that drives a wedge between us and God. It was a massive problem and uh, it needed a big solution. And so the prophet Isaiah recognized this dilemma when he wrote in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Isaiah realizes that there's only one that can solve this problem. The only person that could remedy the situation was God. And he's saying, surely God's arm is not too short to save Uh, It's like the the man on the moon cannot solve his problem by himself. There has to be somebody come from the earth in a rocket to come and rescue him, bring him back to earth, to reconnect him to those he loves. So God's plan was to send a savior, one who could close this gap between God and mankind. But it's God that takes the initiative. He is the only one that can take the initiative. As we're told in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
It was quite a number of years ago that I remember having a meeting in my previous church with a young man who was working for a global company. It was um, a credit card company. He was in the IT department, and this was the days, uh, early days of IT and computer technology. And uh, we were going to meet together. He brought his laptop along, and he said, do you mind if I just um, sort something out, a work issue out, uh, before we meet? And so he sat on the floor with his laptop, like this, this picture, and he started to tap away on his laptop. And he told me that he was uh, trying to sort out something in Australia. So he's sitting here in London, and he logs into a computer somewhere and sorts out a, a problem on a computer in Australia. And this is a few years ago, so I was absolutely amazed that he could do that, you know, at that distance. Uh, right across the other side of the world, he could sort that problem out. Now, I guess that God, if he wanted to, could have resolved this problem of sin separating us from him from the safety of heaven. Uh, but he didn't. He sent Jesus to interact with us, uh, to experience what it is to be human, to empathize with us, and ultimately to fix the problem himself. So Jesus doesn't stay remote from us, but he jumps into a sin-filled world. He rolls up his sleeves, and he sorts out the mess. He is the God who draws near. And that's why we celebrate so much at Christmas. He didn't rem rem remove himself from us and stay at a distance. He comes really close to us and helps us to come close to him. So Isaiah accurately analyzes the problem in verse 2. He says, By your iniquities, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Now, iniquities is one of those words which we probably don't use too often these days. You don't tell your kids that you're going to stop their pocket money because of their many iniquities. You uh, tend to say, you know, you've been a bit naughty, so you're going to be punished. But it, it does mean immorality, wickedness, evil, corruption, injustice, and sin. It's a pretty strong word. And uh, when we use a phrase like that about iniquities, you may feel, well, that's a that's a bit strong, you know, to talk uh, to, to me, to an ordinary human being, about my iniquities. I don't feel that I've done so many terrible crimes. But when we give ourselves over to a sinful lifestyle, uh, we are beginning to, to commit an iniquity. God, sin has become our gods rather than gods. And this passage is actually addressed not so much to individuals, but to the nation of Israel. So that doesn't mean to say that everybody in the nation of Israel had given themselves over to sinful lifestyles, but collectively as a nation, they had turned away from God. If you look at the previous chapter in Isaiah, you find that it is listed there some of the things that the nation had done which God was not pleased about. They had exploited workers. There was quarreling. There was fighting. There was failing to help the hungry and the homeless. There was malicious talk and a failure to keep the Sabbath. Now, if God assessed our nation at this moment in time, I'm sure that some of those things, if not all of them, would be the same or very similar. As a nation, surely we have uh, distanced ourselves from God. There are many things which are wrong in our nation. And so it is those iniquities which have separated us from God. But the verse does talk about your iniquities. Not everybody else's iniquities or the worst sinners you can think of who somehow have dragged the rest of the nation down and away from God. 
uh, the nation's sin is the sum total of millions of individuals who sin. It's our sin. It's our selfishness. It's our wrongdoing which causes the separation as well. And so often people comfort themselves with the idea, uh, they, they say, well, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, but they always want to compare themselves to somebody who's far worse. Uh, they don't compare themselves. None of us want to compare ourselves to somebody who's better. And so we say, well, I'm not an axe murderer. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a sort of like Hitler or something like that. You know, we always go to that, that extreme. But you can always find someone worse than yourself. In comparison with other people, you'll be better than someone else. But you're still separated from God by your sin, not their sin. It's your sin. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. When I lead the, the Downham site, I've been there for about a year and a half. And as I've been over at the Downham site, I've got to know that area a lot better. And I've read up on some of the history of the Downham estate. Back in the 1920s, uh, a lot of people were moved out from the Bermondsey area and that part of London out to uh, Downham. They built this brand new estate, thousands and thousands of homes. And so all these people moved en masse from sort of further into London and brought them out uh, where there's more space. And in 1926, some of Bromley's residents built a wall to keep out the vulgar members of society from the near down, uh, by Downham Estates. This is true. It was across Valeswood Road at the junction with Alexandra Crescent. It was known as a class wall. It was seven feet high, and it was fortified at the top with broken pieces of glass. Walls separate. They prevent connection. The Downham Wall was built to keep the riffraff out of Bromley. But it wasn't that substantial and it didn't last that long. Probably a better illustration, which is more in keeping with the scripture, would be something like the Berlin Wall, which separated East and West Berlin from 1961 to 1989. It stretched for over 96 miles and it was virtually impossible to break through. It was heavily guarded. When that wall was built, families and friends would have been separated. Some would have found themselves on the west, some on the east side. They were separated. It was an impossible barrier to get through. But there is an even bigger invisible wall between us and God, and it's called sin. The Hebrew word used here for separated conveys the idea of a division, usually a curtain or a wall. And so the idea is that our sins are a petition between us and God. There is no contact, no contact at all between us and him because of our sin. That is why sin is such a big problem. We are permanently cut off from the one who gives life, from the very one that we should be in relationship with. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. That phrase, your God, gives us a glimpse of hope. Because there is that sense that we are supposed to be connected with God. We are supposed to be in relationship with him. He is meant to be your God, our God. He's not just the God of the poor or the vulnerable or the inferior or, or the weak. He's not just the God of the, the bishops and the priests and the, the religious people. He's not just the God of the elderly or the naive. He's not just the God of the, the rich and wealthy. He is our God. He's, he's meant to be in relationship with absolutely all of us. He belongs to everyone. 
Your sins, Isaiah says, have hidden his face from you. The Hebrew word means to cause to hide. It is not that God hides his face from us, but instead there is something which comes between him and us. And the idea is that our sins rise up like a thick, black, dark cloud between us and God, so that we have no clear view of him. We have no contact with him at all, just like a cloud which hides the sun from us. That is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. They felt they had to hide from God because they knew that their sin had come between them and him. You get a similar idea in Lamentations 3.44, which says, You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. I'm trying to help us to understand the impossibility of connecting with God by any means other than through Christ and the cross. We, we are helpless to be connected with God. Even our prayers cannot get through. It's like this thick cloud covering him, separating his, his face from us. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear, Isaiah says. I don't know if you've ever had a, a phone conversation uh, on a mobile phone where you're talking away and talking away and talking away, and then after a while, you realize that the person you're talking to isn't actually there any longer. You have, have you had that experience yet? Uh, because you've lost the connection, the signal's gone. And uh, so you kind of phone back and you get hold of them again, and you kind of rewind the conversation to work out what point they missed uh, what you were saying. I had a call like that recently where the guy I was talking to was talking and talking and talking full of all that God was doing and what, what was happening in his life and I just lost him and I don't know how long he'd been talking for uh, before I got back to him. But there is this loss of connection. Our sins cause this barrier between us and God. He is unwilling to hear our prayers when we're so immersed in sin. The perfect God has to turn away his face he, has to with, he withholds mercy and compassion. He cannot pardon us if we're unwilling to abandon our sinful lifestyles. This connection is lost. The British government is very keen that all parts of the UK are connected to the internet uh, on superfast broadband. They're investing £1 billion in the project. Why is that? Because they feel it's really important that everybody's connected, everybody can communicate, businesses can flourish with that kind of uh, technology in place. But of course, what everybody really needs is to be connected to God, because we are created to know Him. It is that connection, in that connection with God, that we find our greatest fulfillment. Nothing else will fulfill us in the same way. I bought a new DVD player a couple of weeks ago. Our old one was making a lot of noise and groaning and struggling and it eventually gave up on us. So we bought a new DVD and, you know, TVs these days and freeview boxes and all that sort of thing. There's lots of leads, aren't there? So you, I'm plugging it all in. I thought I'd got it all right. I switch it all on and the TV screen was red. I thought there's something wrong here with the cable somewhere. I don't think EastEnders is meant to look red. So I changed channels just to see what was happening and everything was red. So I go back to the cables and I realized that one of the cables isn't connected properly. And so when I did that, we're back to full color. Wonderful. And it's the same with our relationship with God. If we do not know God through, our faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, life works, but it's kind of not really connected properly. It's not really working properly. There is something which is missing. 
And when we're disconnected from the one who is able to make sense of this bigger picture, then we are missing out. There is a, a radio program on Radio 4 called Sorry I Haven't a Clue. Uh, it's a panel game which has been going on for many years. Some of you may be familiar with it. And they play all sorts of different ridiculous games, really. But one of them is uh, good news and bad news, where one panel member starts with a piece of good news, another panel member adds a piece of bad news, and they got lots of humor out of it. And there's a kind of genre of jokes which are kind of good news, bad news jokes. So, for example, a 17-year-old has just passed his driving test. He walks in and he says to his dad, Dad, I've got some good news and some bad news. What's the good news, says his dad? The airbag on your brand new Audi works fine. (laughs) You see, sometimes we don't realize that something is good news until we understand the bad news, actually. It's true, isn't it? You see, if if you say, if somebody says, oh, um, Joe arrived home safely from his meeting in Birmingham, uh, you think, well, that's, you know, okay, that's great. If you then understand that Joe narrowly missed being in a 20-car pile-up on the M1 and he got home safely, that is good news. It's when you understand the bad news that you realize how good the good news is. And sometimes we don't always understand how bad the bad news is, which is why I've been laboring this whole idea that we are so separate from God, even further away than the man on the moon from the earth, that we, we have no hope at all of bridging that gap, of closing that gap, unless somebody else does it for us. And so the really bad news is that our sin separates us from God, but the good news is that Jesus Christ has died on the cross to reconcile us to God. And so Jesus himself experienced this kind of separation on just one occasion when he was on the cross. Matthew 27:46, we read about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening in that moment? Well, what was happening was that all of our sin, the sin of the world, was being piled on him. And because he was full of sin, he was separated from God for the first time ever in his existence. That it just separated and cut him off totally from God. The bad news is that we're separated from God. The good news is Jesus came to do something about it. The bad news is that we remain separated from God until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But the good news is that we can do that. It is all we need to do. We don't have to perform to get there. We just need to to put our faith in him. And it is possible that today you're here this morning, you, you, you haven't turned away from your life of sin. You haven't turned away from the things that are selfish in your life. You haven't yet put your faith in Jesus. And I would want to say to you, don't stay separated from God any longer. He has done everything necessary to make it possible for you to be close to him. Ask one of the leaders afterwards if you can chat about how to take that next step of faith. The barrier of sin has been broken down. You can be reunited with God. When the Berlin Wall came down, there were great celebrations right across the city because families and friends could be reunited. And when that wall came down, why would you stay 
uh, put and not go across to greet your family and friends, to be reunited with them. God has broken down an even bigger wall. Why would you stay put and stay separate from God when he has made every provision for you to come close to him and be reunited with him, to become the person you're supposed to be in relationship with him? And if you're a believer here this morning, as many of us are, let's consider this. Maybe this Christmas we can help somebody else to make that journey, to close the gap, to find faith in Christ and to come to know him. It was some years ago we were uh, at our previous church. We invited a friend to one of the carol services we had there. And she came along, um, and we weren't sure that she was going to come, but she came along. Uh, she listened to the whole service, and she listened to the preaching, and it was from that point onwards that she made a commitment to Christ, and her life changed quite radically, really. It was just all that was needed was somebody to invite her to come along to hear that message. And we can perhaps help somebody else, uh, that gap to close in their lives, for them to be reconciled with God uh, this Christmas by making the similar kind of invitation. So the Christmas story is one of something that was lost being refound. It's the story of the disconnected being reconnected. It's the story of the separated being reunited. It, the gap between God and man was closed. It's the story of human beings who are far away from God being given the opportunity to get closer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that, uh, Jesus, that you have made a way for us to come back to you. Lord, it isn't uh, that we just get a little bit closer, but we get close in the way that we were supposed to be, in the way that Adam and Eve were in the very beginning. And so, Lord, we thank you that you have done everything uh, to close that enormous gap. Lord, thank you that you've broken down that great barrier between us and you. Thank you that you've dealt with the problem of sin. Lord, we pray that this Christmas uh, many people will begin to take steps of faith. Many people would understand that they're not meant to be far away from you, but they are meant to be close with you. That their lives are able, able to be enriched because you have made a way for them to come back into relationship with you. We thank you, Lord. Amen.